I'm your host, Brendan Cahill, and welcome to The Coach Cahill Show, where we decode how to get you and your family to and through the college football recruiting process. Today's guest is Australian CFL punter Jake Ford of the BC Lions. The 6'2", 225-pounder from Shepparton, Australia, played at a D2 school in Arkansas after starting his career with the Oregon Ducks in 2015. After finishing up in Arkansas, Jake participated in the Spring League, where he garnered enough professional interest to be drafted overall number one, but in the CFL's global draft by the BC Lions. Enjoy. If you- so what's going on, Jake? How are you, man? Hey, hey, Gallon. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's great talking. So I, I, I always like to start off here with um, how, did, how did football find you? And I think you have more of a unique story than... Uh, probably most people because uh, obviously you come over from Australia and I don't think a lot of Australian kids grow up dreaming of being a kicker at least initially or a punter so so how did football find you in Australia yeah it's, it's quite a strange story so like originally like I'd grown up playing Australian rules football that's sort of what we all grow up all grow up you know playing and that's what we dream of playing Australian rules football professionally and I was lucky enough I sort of got to the top level and just couldn't sort of really solidify myself in the team and sort of got cut. And I guess I sort of had a year there and I was sort of, I was back home studying and I sort of found myself just like watching a lot of American football. And when I was younger, I watched a lot of the USC uh, and Pac-12. I love watching like Brian Cushion and Clay Matthews and those sorts of guys. And I guess, you know, as, as football had finished, I sort of went back and watched it. And one day I was watching a game of the Razorbacks and saw Samuel and Hill playing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he's, he was from Bendigo. And that's about an hour away from Shepparton where I live. And I was like, oh, he's kicking the ball in like American football, right? And I was like watching. I was like, I think I can do that. And I was like, all right. And I sort of looked through to try and find out how to get a tryout or do something. And I saw uh, Nathan Chapman or Pro Kick Australia. So I gave him a call and he's like, yep, all right, meet me in the city. So I drove two hours and we go to some little park out, out in, in the middle of nowhere. And he brings the bag out. And he's like, all right, and gives me the ball. And he's like, all right, kick it as high and as far as you can. So I remember kicking it. And I think it was like a 501 or something hang time and maybe 40, 45 or something. And he's like, yep, that's all. Yep. Okay. Yep. You can do this. You need to do this program. You know, we can, we can get your scholarship. And then we went in and, and he got a kick and tee out and he put that on the ground and he's like, all right, try this and sort of did that and could do that. And it sort of went from there and he was, pretty adamant he's like all right you need to do this he's like you can sort of you can play American football and I sort of was like okay and went back home and talked about it with my family and I guess after that I sort of you know joined Pro Kick Australia and really took it seriously and I guess I trained for about six months maybe seven and then I was on a plane over over to America going to Oregon. What was that first conversation like with your family when you came Uh, to them with this crazy idea to go off to the states and punt? pretty weird like my dad grew up he played professional football and I sort of told him about it and he looked at me like like what are you doing like you're joking yourself and I was like no and mum was really supportive and uh dad sort of like looked at me and he, he, he sort of like saw what I was doing and he he sort of really was real supportive as well and I guess uh I think they were a bit skeptical but you know once they saw it and you know they see the offers and you know they understand what's going on and see the other guys who are over here performing they, they, they really supported me and supported the program. And now, now they love it. Like I couldn't have asked any more off them. And, you know, dad watches more American football now than Australian football. He loves it. You know, he gets on there and, and watches it at the college and the NFL. So it's, it's sort of changed, I guess, my life. And I guess they're sort of the way they look at sport too. And they watch a lot of American sport too. And they don't just 
teach you how to punt. I mean, obviously that's what most of us will see on yeah. pro kick Australia's, you know, Instagram page or Twitter account. And you guys have some impressive kicking DNA in you. Yeah. Um, can you talk about the relationship that Australians have with kicking a football? When I've talked to coach uh, Chapman or Chappie, at one of the earlier podcasts, he said that you know, kicking's in our blood as Australians. Yeah, it's like we grow up, like I grew up with an Australian football, like kicking it, like, you know, I was like one or two trying to kick it. Like, you know, I see my dad doing it and like we grew up like, and a lot of the coaches, we grew up sleeping with the football. They're like, sleep with the football and you'll get a better feel for it. Mm. Like, so we grow up just kicking a football and, you know, by the time we're like 10, 11, 12, we can kick both feet. And we can run and on the kick on the run and we can do these things like it's just it's something that we just learn naturally and it's like when we go at lunchtime at school when we're you know first year kindergarten and first second third like we're out there kicking a football during the day it's just something like it's a whole cultural thing so that we grow up with that we don't throw baseballs or throw footballs we don't have any of that sort of stuff so everything we do is with our feet and kicking a ball around it's sort of just i guess you know coach chappy says it's in our blood like i guess that's what how it is. It's in our culture, in our blood, and it's almost like genetic. Like our parents pass on to us, and you know, you see a lot of pro football players who play pro Australian footballs. Their dads are great footballers, and now their sons come through, and their sons are great. So it's like it's passed on. It's I guess that's sort of what it, I guess he says it's it's in our blood. Mm -hmm. And when and it's and when you think about it, for like a, like you mentioned in America, yeah. we have we have a ton of sports but we don't have any sport that's quite like punting in that when you're playing Australian rules football, you know, uh, there's a lot of, there's catching, there's setting the ball, there's kicking it on the fly. And at least in my area in the, in the Northeast in new England, there are, there are quite a few Gaelic football leagues or rugby leagues. And almost always the Gaelic football kids I guess because there are some similarities with Australian football, they yeah. tend to pick up punting like that. Yeah. Whereas kids that come over from soccer, unless they're a goalie, they just haven't used their hands very much. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely agree with you that Australians have a, like you guys have great kicking DNA or punting DNA rather. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh to the extent that you're comfortable, of course, like I'm not yeah. asking you to give away any trade secrets, no, no. but it, it's not just the punting that you're instructed on. There's a whole program yeah, that, so. that, that Pro Kick Australia introduces you to. Can you just, and we, the listeners kind of know what, generally speaking, what the, I guess the college recruiting program or process is generally like if you're from the States, yep. what is it like for Pro Kick Australia from the time you start working with them to when you eventually ship out to, to go to school? Yeah. So basically it's, it's generally a year program. So you come in and you have to do a tryout and John and Chappie are pretty honest. They'll be like, you can do this or you can't. So they don't really try and waste anyone's time because there's, they want to put kids over here that they know are going to perform to. Um, so you do that. And then obviously you start the program and that involves like kicking three to five times a week punting. And it's, it's not just like an hour you're out there for three, four hours a day punting and then, on top of that, you're lifting every day. And then on top of that, you're learning about football. So I know Johnny used to have classes and we'd go in there and it's like basic stuff. It's like, what is the Wisconsin, like University of Wisconsin, what's their mascot? Like, so it's like school where we have to learn about it. We have to learn very basic stuff. And 
And as we go, we understand, okay, fourth down, what's fourth down mean? Like that's, okay, that's what we punt. So we, we, we really have like no knowledge. So it's like a, it's sort of like a mini university for punters because we have to come in and we have to be schooled. We have to learn. And then not only that, we're learning how to punt. And that's a whole different process in itself as well. And it's, that's probably a lot easier to learn the punting side of things compared to like understanding what to expect when we come over here. And I think that's what they're trying to develop us on. And that process of learning what expected, what a college college level is expected, division one. And, you know, you know, I guess the whole scheduling as well, because, you know, you get to those schools and, you know, it's, it's a, almost a full-time job. So, and, and that's what they're trying to teach us, teach us while we're there at pro kick. And then obviously once we get to a certain level, we get our film and that film is then sent off to schools. And John and Chap generally try and send us to schools where they think we're going to fit best and with what the coaches are asking. And also they take into consideration like what we want to study. So if some of the boys want to study, you know, history or business, they're going to send those guys to those schools that have really good history and really good business um, undergraduate courses. So they can go and, and get that. And I guess the other thing is once we get told we're going to a school, we go to that school. There is no ifs or buts. Like we get told that's where we're going. Okay, cool. That, that's, that, and that's sort of how the program works. It's sort of, we don't really get to choose where we want to go. We get told and, you know, a scholarship's a scholarship. That's how we see it. We're like, yeah, we want to go to American play. So, you know, every opportunity we take and, and that's sort of how all that process works. It's it's a whole year thing as well. And I know Johnny does a lot of work with the NCAA and making sure all the boys are eligible because it's a different process coming from Australia and the grade transfers and all that being transferred to America and being eligible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's almost like you have like a, the Sparta of punting. Like not only are you guys out there doing drills uh, five days a week, and I'm sure there are guys that go out extra to get more work in. Yeah. You're also doing classroom time. You're doing SAT prep. I mean, you're making yeah. sure your transcripts go through. And as a, as a teacher for 10 years in a high school, I can, it's, it's a pain in the butt to get all your academic paperwork to transfer from one school to another in the States. Yeah. I can only imagine the headaches that you guys probably go through you know, going cross country sometimes. When you came to the U.S., I'm curious, what do you see as the the biggest, uh, obviously the, the football is what you trained for and that's kind of the your ride over here yep. um, to study and to play. Yep. But the what's, what, what, what is the first moment that you're like, what, what's the first moment like when you're on campus? And I guess what, what were maybe what are maybe some cultural differences you had to get used to between Australian culture versus American culture? Yeah, um, it's it's sort of completely different. Like Australia, we don't have any sports in like in university. So obviously coming in here and seeing how big sport is in university, much pride the universities take in sport was like it was a bit of a culture shock. It's like wow, and I guess it's 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 even it's a lot of the small things too, like. Like the way I guess, like driving on the other side of the road, and just you know little little things like that. I guess like even the food. Like, That's a big one. <laughs> like, like the food, like coming over and adjusting because it takes time for your body to adjust in the different types of food like that we eat back home. It's just it's sort of the whole your whole I guess the way you see things is completely different. So it takes time to adjust on those things and and the expectations you come in. It's it's pretty nerve wracking because you see. Like, especially some of these guys go to these big SEC schools and Big Ten and then, like, it's monolithic. Like, these places are huge. It's 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 almost bigger than pro. So, I guess it, that that 
that is definitely a culture shock. It sort of hits you when you see it. Like you walk in, like I remember going to Oregon, walking in and seeing Odson Stadium and I was like, whoa. And then you see the facilities and like just how everything's run. It's, it's everything's on time, you know, it's it sort of, that's a really big culture shock because back home we're pretty relaxed, laid back sort of guys, you know, and then we come over here and it's like bang, 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 bang. And it's like, whoa, okay. That that's funny because I was, I did a podcast with, um, an Irish guy, Tig leader. Yep. Um, and he, I was asking him the same question. What's the difference between Americans and, and yep. Irish culture? And it was basically the same thing that like Americans are very restless and that like, yeah. th- like our, our highs are really high. Like our lows are super low. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like that's the common experience for a lot of international guys when they come over here. Yeah. Um, would that be like ballpark? Yeah. Yeah. Like everything back home is real relaxed. Like we'd rock up to a football game and everyone's like, Hey, how you going? And it's, it's a lot more relaxed sort of feeling and going and warm up and here, like it's, you know, even our practices, like it was very, relax but when we practice we practice hard but like over here it's like everything on time bang 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 we've got this like even like when you go to practice and you have the period clock mm-hmm. like, and then bang the whistle blows like that that was a shot clock i'm like what's going on and like practice is planned to like the seconds like i've never i'd never seen anything like that so even that stuff was was like a shock to me did you have a moment where you're sitting in your dorm room where you're on campus and you're just like what the heck did i just get myself into Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I remember like, I remember, definitely remember like sitting in my room and I was sort of like, you're like, okay, I'm finally here. Like I did it. And then like, it sort of hits you like you're going in. I remember it sort of hit me going into camp and just saying how crazy everything was going. And I was like, well, okay. It's suddenly tasting like, what have I got myself into? It's like, okay. And I think, I think being calm and like our culture sort of helps us with that because we're like, okay. And like, you know, if we get screamed at or yelled at, we're sort of type of, most of us are sort of like, okay, cool. All right. Next one. I'll get the next one. It doesn't affect us too bad, but it's definitely, you have those moments where you sit there and you're like, all right, okay, what am I doing? And is this the right decision? This is what I need to do. And, you know, you, you don't doubt yourself, but you definitely think, okay, you, you have a second thought about like, you know, what's actually happening. Sure. Second thoughts are normal though. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure if you talk to any of, the, the pro kick guys or, or any kid who's trying to play college football. Yeah. There's always that moment freshman year, maybe two or three moments when you're like, what the heck am I doing? Cause like yeah. you're a young guy, you don't know who the heck you are. Even if you're an American kid going to an American college and if you're yeah. an international kid, you know, that's just amplified 10 X. Yeah. I'm curious. Like, and, and it's interesting that you say that because I think the, the stereotype of Australian punters, in college football in the u.s is that you guys are like these terminator punting machines that you don't feel anything it's like you just you turn them on you guys yeah. are like the winter soldier you say a couple words and whisper and it's automatically yeah. like 50 80 yard puns yeah um but you guys are like normal folks yeah we're just normal of. like yeah we'll punt and we're like we have bad days too like it, it happens i guess it's you know like we're sort of like, like you said, I, I don't know. I feel like our culture does help us. We're pretty relaxed. You know, I've had times where like I've had a bad punt and I'll come off and coach will be looking at me and I'll be like, my bad and pat him on the shoulder. And I'll go, right, next one. And he just looked at me like, what? And, then, and, and all the American punters are like, did Jake yeah, just do that? Yeah. And like coach looked at me and I, I got a fantastic coach, coach Knight at Washington Baptist. And at the start, he just had never seen anything like, like, uh, like an Australian, I guess. And like the way we did things and, 
but you know, he, he's fantastic. He sort of embraced it. And we're lucky we got another Australian there coming through this year, Joe Couch. So he's really enjoyed us and that's something that he wants to continue. So, How do you bounce back and not let one bad punt turn into two bad punts? Or like, I, I'm sure you've noticed it. You, maybe you've experienced it or seen younger punters go through this, but it's really hard to bounce back from a bad kick sometimes how do you kind of get out of your own way if you shank like if you just shank the punt how yeah. would you approach the next ball uh I, don't, I, I sort of forget about straight away like no one's perfect i think everyone like especially if you chase them to be perfect and that's what you want to, that's, you want to chase that you want to be as consistent as possible but you know no one's perfect no one's a robot who can go out there and it's it's one of those things if you have a bad punt you almost just gotta be like all right whatever and not even worry about it. Just, like, that's that's sort of my mentality. I was like, oh, bad hand, whatever. Like, I just, well, I can't change the past. So it's not even something I'd worry about. I'd just go out and I'd make sure my next one and, you know, I'd make sure I'd do something good for my next one. And I think that's where a lot of young guys will get inside their head. And that's what kills a lot of kickers too. You know, they're self-taught and things like that. It's, you know, you sort of just got to back yourself. You're there for a reason. And, you know, that's what I did. And if it was a bad one, it's going, okay, it was a bad one. Mm -hmm. so that's i think that's just part of it sure yeah and with younger guys especially high school kids it's and i'm sure it's it's like this in any sport but especially when you're a kicker it's almost like the the kid is putting so much of their self-worth into how the ball comes off their foot like yeah if it's a bad kick now they're a bad person and now it's a bad day and then it's a bad couple days yeah it is hard. To, it's almost like, you know, there's an inability for a lot of kickers to like separate who they are as a person from who they are as a, yeah. as a player. Yeah. Did, did pro kick Australia in their training or development of you guys uh, kind of address that or, or look at the mental side at all, or is that kind of more of a, a one-on-one -on -one basis? Yeah. Like, well, we all sort of, we'd get on each other's nerves too. Like we'd go out and we would get, try and say stuff to each other and get each other to punt bad and get a reaction out of each other. And John and Chappie were always real strong. Like if you have a bad pun, just don't show much emotion, you know, that because you don't want to put down your coach's mind and just be like, all right, next one. That was something like the philosophy, I guess they can like try and teach us just, just all right, next one. Because the, you know, we can't change what's happened, but what we need to do is we, we need to learn quick. What do we do wrong? How do we fix it real quick? And then we fix it. And that that's something they, they teach from, I'd probably say, like from the very start, because everyone comes in and we learn and we're all terrible at the start. Like we're all, we're all bad. And, you know, it's learning to eliminate the bad kicks and then teaching yourself, like self talk, okay, next one, and learn to get over it quickly. Um, I'd say that's something that Chappie and John really get into us because they'll, they'll be the first ones to get on us about stuff and they'll try and break us at practice and, you know, say things to throw us off or chap a wall pass and he'll be like, oh, kick it, kick as hard as you can, hard as you can, hard as you can when, you know, you should probably kick it about 90% and hit a nice ball. And he tries to get under your skin to try and make you do things like that. So it's sort of, I don't know, it's just all those little things. And they, they definitely try and teach us that from day one. But I think that's part of their philosophy. Yep. Uh, when I've, the few times I've chatted with, you know, John and your chappy over at Pro Kick Australia, they've both kind of reiterated that the, the standard for practice is usually quite a bit higher than what you're going to average out in a game. So you might be able to hit a ball 65 yards, five, five hang in a helmet and shorts, 
and then, you know, I'll, I'll say to Johnny, wow, that, that's a great video or something. And then he'll go, yeah, you know, it'll, it'll probably average out to like 45 yards in a game because you, you just, there's always that little bit of drop off between how you kick in shorts versus what happens in a game. Cause you can't control the snap or the rush. Gotcha. Um, w- w- would you say that like they held like super high standards? Like yeah. did they ever, did those standards ever feel almost like unreachable sometimes? No, like, um, yeah, like, because we go and kick and, like, even if we hit a 5-0 ball, Chap and John would be like, yeah. Like, it's just, that's what it was. Like, it was normal. Like, and they would be like, all right, you hit a 5-0, 50-yarder. In a game, it's probably going to be four, five at the most, 45 yards. So, we always, they'd always be like, take 0.5 off because you don't have a helmet on. You don't have pads on. You know, you got a perfect snap. So, they'd always, like, do that. You know, there'd, there'd be certain times where you'd peak their ears, but, like, you'd have to hit, like, a 5-5, like a, a monster ball. Otherwise, you know, they they wouldn't really be like, they wouldn't wouldn't give you a whole lot, you know. That's because it's just what they expect. And then especially a lot of the boys come home and you go and kick with like the guys like Jordan Berry or like Cam Johnson's and Mitch Wisnowski, those guys, and you see them kicking, you're like, whoa, okay, I've got some work to do. I see why. So it's it's like that. And like sometimes I don't know if you've seen, like even Chappie gets out of there and he'll put the cleats on and he'll come out and like he can still smack five O's. And he does that for a lot of the new boys that sort of get ahead of themselves. He'll put them on and go out and, and boom some balls <laughs> and they all sort of settle back down again. So, Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like, uh, I, like John Carney will do that sometimes out yeah. in California. I mean, I'm not exactly sure how old he is. I know his birthday was like a couple of days ago, but I, I've seen him still be able to bang 55 yard field goals at well over the age of 50. Yeah. Um, but that's just how good these guys are. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about what what do you think is the number one misconception people in the US have about Australian punters? Um, I guess I'm uh, probably the biggest misconception. I'm not sure. I think maybe like they, you know, they think we're coming over here. I oh, really, I really don't know the biggest misconception. I'm trying to think. Like we're trying to come over here to take, I guess, like it's been talked about like, you know, scholarships or things like that, or, you know, we come over here at an old age and things like that. It's, that's, that's sort of something that I guess is misconception. Like a lot of us would probably come over if we were younger, if we knew it. Like I definitely, if I knew about Putin, I would have come here when I was 18 or 19. I, I probably had a bigger leg back then than I do now. And, you know, you see, I think a lot of the younger guys are sort of figuring out now to come over. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys like myself who wanted to come over and get an education and we were a bit older. Um, but I think they think we're, because we're older, you know, our, our kick's bigger, mm-hmm. which is which is untrue because there's guys back home and like myself when I was 18, 19, I had a big, big leg and it probably was bigger than what it is now. And I think that's a misconception. They think we come in, we're older, we have a bigger kick, which isn't true. You know, there's guys back home who are 16 who have massive legs. So I think that's sort of a misconception. Sure. And it's, it's interesting because in there's kind of like two opposing, there's like that. The big question in football is always like who gets to play. And yep. when you have something like Australian punters experiencing quite a bit of success coming over here at one single position um, yep. there, that question gets asked. And then there, but at the same time, Americans also highly value things like football and sports. Like it's almost like a secular religion here. It's not even, not even football, like all sports. 
um, we love to at least think of our sports as like these like safe places where merit always wins out. And then there's like that question of fairness. But when you bring it up to when, when I've talked to Australian punters or, you know, your coaches, they're the first guys to say, we love it when an American guy beats out one of our guys, because like, that's true competition. Can you kind of look at, can you kind of speak on how maybe uh, pro kick influenced or how does pro kick Australia or you look at competition? Cause that, and more broadly as a punter, you yep. know, like you might only get four reps, five reps in practice. And yep. now at the professional level, you know, it might be you and another guy and you're vying for a job. Yep. Uh, how, do, how do you view, how have you been taught to view competition as a punter? Uh, I sort of, I guess competition is sort of ingrained in this, like we're from Australian rules football, like we're highly competitive. And I guess, I guess my mentality, I can sort of speak for myself and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. guessing like a lot of the guys are probably like me, like we enjoy that. Like we played the, you know, physical football from a really young age and I guess it's very competitive and I guess that's something we grew up with and then we come through Pro Kick Australia and that's the whole different competitive thing in itself because like we want the scholarship, we want to go to the great schools and there's all these other guys who you like, you just have to light it up and like you'll work and you'll work and you'll work and then I don't know, that, that's my mindset. I've never had a mindset of thinking I've got to beat someone. I always think about, okay, I don't, I don't even worry about them. If they're worried about me, they're worried about me. And they've, they've been thinking they've got to beat me. So that's that's my way of looking at it. I don't ever think I've got to beat anyone because I'm confident in my own abilities. And and that's sort of where, the way I look at things. And I've always sort of backed myself like that. And, I'm, and that's how I'd assume a lot of Aussies are. We sort of have that confidence. And we don't really understand growing up like how a lot of Americans view kickers too. So <laughs> sort of maybe a position in high school, like it's not glorified or, you know, like I oh, was just a kicker. Uh, we don't we don't understand any of that and then we come over thinking yeah we're a kicker awesome like you know we think we're awesome that's that's how we see it so uh, i guess that that's sort of how to answer that question yeah it, uh, yeah it doesn't it's funny like it doesn't matter the level that you play like yeah. you're always going to get made fun of in the u.s yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean kicking is not you know we, we you know the the kicker is really like a soccer player in the u.s and yeah. um it doesn't really matter the level that you play at. You're always going to get some type yeah. of jokes cracked on you for being a kicker. Yep. Even if you're a 60, 250 pound guy from Australia yeah. who looks like a DM, they'll still make fun of you. Yep. Um, how did, I, I'm curious, what, what might've been a really tough moment or um, like a moment of failure for you as a, as a specialist? And then how did that failure set you up for later success? Uh, uh, trying to think. I guess it's. Uh, I wouldn't say it as a, a failure. I'd say it as obviously went to University of Oregon and then I sort of left there and went back home. And sometimes, like, I don't look at it as a failure, but it's something where it's like, okay, did I, did I quit, or do you know what I mean? And it's like, all right, it's sort of. I don't know. I don't look at. I, I try not to look at it as quitting, and but then it's like, okay, like that did happen I did leave and then the whole transferring and going to another school and then having to sort of build yourself back up and 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 do it that was sort of a hard thing because I went back home and I was like I'm not doing this anymore like I'm done with it and then obviously 
I started sort of training, spoke to Johnny and, and they saw like, oh, you need to do this. And it's sort of just trying to get that instilled. Like, oh, I want to do it. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it. Build them back up and getting back to where I was and then coming back over. Um, yeah, that's sort of probably one of the biggest adversity I've sort of had to have because I had such a mindset when I came home, I'm done with it. Like, I didn't want to go back. I just wanted to stay home in my safe haven and, and be there. And, you know, a lot of people, like even my mum and dad, they're like, are you sure that's what you're doing? I was like, yep, yep, I'm not doing it. And then probably after a few months, I was like, I think I need to go back. And that, you know, making that decision, trying, you know, going back on your word after you've said, I'm not going back. It's, you know, you don't want to do it. But I was like, I need, I need to do it. And, and that's sort of, you know, I guess, come, you know, start somewhere and I guess not finishing it and then coming back to finish it. And that's something that I'm trying to do now and I'm still trying to finish it. Just something that I've started. And I guess that's, that's sort of a, some adversity that I've sort of come over. Did, um, do you mind discussing like what kind of caused that transfer to happen? Yeah. Or? Um, so, well, I went to the University of Oregon and originally went there as an exercise physiology major. And then that's what I transferred to Oregon with. And when I got to Oregon, they hadn't told me that I had to do a certain amount of credit hours to be eligible to play and all that stuff. And so I was having to do 21 credit hours semester. So I was doing pre-med and sociology. And then I was missing out on two practices a week and they were punt, punt periods. Mm -hmm. So it was like, like I came in for football and but at the same time I was like, I want my degree and I'm not getting a degree in what I wanted to get in. I was like, well, football won't last forever. I need to get a degree because that's the most important thing to set me up for life. And that's sort of where that decision was like, all right, I'm going to go back home and just finish my degree back home and just stop the whole football thing. Gotcha. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about um, what your experience in the spring league was like and then how that set you up for the next thing on the horizon, which is the CFL? Yeah, the, the spring league was awesome. You know, I, I loved it. Like the coaches there were fantastic. We had the coaches there that I had was Coach Mace. He was my special teams coordinator there and he's at Calgary. And then we had Coach Monson. He was uh, D-line and defensive coordinator and he also worked for Calgary. And I think I had a lot of communication with those guys and those guys were awesome. And even like outside of it, like I talked to him about CFL and sort of how all that worked and, and they were awesome about that. And I guess there was the amount of uh, the level of caliber of players in the spring league was was fantastic. You know, a lot of these guys had been on NFL teams, had been in the Canadian Football League. You know, so the amount of pro experience there and the level was was really good during the spring league. I guess it, it sort of down the issue. I guess with it was obviously with COVID. You know, we actually we had to finish early, which was which which sucked. But I think if there wasn't COVID, it would have been you know, really good. And I think the next round that's starting up in a month or two, I think, believe it is, I think that's going to be really, really good quality of players. And, and how did you get selected to the CFL? Can you, um, obviously Americans know what the CFL generally is. We're not too familiar with how the draft works for global players. Yep. So can you describe how you made the, that jump from the spring league to the CFL? Yeah. So I sort of been in the CFL global process from before the spring league, so early last year and, uh, John Smith back home, he's the one that sort of saw it and figured it out and had got in contact with Greg Quick and he was a global scout director and overlooked and all that sort of stuff. And it sort of started from there. So last year we were supposed to have the draft combine in Toronto and then that got cancelled. And during that whole process, we were talking to teams and it was it was really good because I think they were excited that they were going to get some really good level of players because there was a lot of guys who played NCAA and, and things like that 
which I don't think happened in 2019 in the global draft. I think a lot of the players had come from Mexico and I'm not quite sure, I think Germany as well. So a lot of them had come from there. So I think this year's crop, a lot of them were from the NCAA because they'd spent a lot more time recruiting and identifying all the talent. So it was really, I guess, really, they were really prepared. And I guess like I, from what my experience was, it was very similar to the NFL. It's just a lot of Zoom meetings and they'll ask you questions and things like that. And I guess it's still nerve wracking. You still wait. You still wait to hear your name and you're sort of just like, please, please, I just want my opportunity. Like you don't really care what number you go or anything. You just, you just want to get there. And, you know, once you get there, it's, you know, back to zero when you're starting from zero like everyone else. Sure. Well, we wish you a lot of luck. We, the oh, CFL you. just came out yeah. with their, uh, their, their tentative schedule anyway. Hopefully it, it you know, pulls off. Um, can you discuss, uh, so I guess two more questions. Yep. What would be one, knowing what you know now, what would be one piece of advice you would have wished you had told yourself when you first started out on this crazy punting college football journey? Uh, I've got two, I'll answer, two, answers, two answers. I'd probably say just trust the process because mm-hmm. um, it, it is frustrating at times, like, because you know, we don't know where we're going. We don't know much about anything. It's it's sort of like you just got to trust that John and Chad are going to do the job and they'll get you somewhere. And I guess something else that I probably tell myself, and I'd probably tell myself this when I was younger, is you know, go back and look at the opportunities football in America can offer. Because if I'd known a lot earlier, I would have started punting a lot earlier and come over when I was probably 18, 19, straight out of high school. And I think that's that's something that you know we we, we don't think about. That's something that's an afterthought after Australian football. We can't play and then we see it, realize it, then we do it. So I think that's something that I'll probably tell myself is, is go this route straight away rather than, you know, the Australian football rules route. And then obviously you still have a lot of juice left in your leg. You yep. know, <laughs> wish you were a really long career. We hope yeah. you're putting until you're 80 years old, but there, there's not a whole lot of 90 year old punters out there. And so, you know, someday when, when football is over and you're looking back and telling your, your kids how awesome you were yeah. <laughs> in college <laughs> or pro, yeah. um, what would be the one thing you would want somebody looking at your career to take away from it? Um, I just like them like, I don't know. It's sort of, it's something that I just want to, you know, my family to be proud of and, you know, for them to be able to say, oh, this is what dad did. Or, you know, then my parents be like, oh, like, we're glad, you know, you've, you chased your dreams and, you know, you succeeded. And, you know, I, I guess it's, it's, I don't know. I don't, I'm not big on like talking about myself or anything. I guess it's something to just be able to, you know. You've been doing a great job yeah. the past 40 minutes. Yeah. Like just, I guess it's sort of just something you want to talk, like say like, oh, this is what I did, you know, and it's a fantastic mm-hmm. opportunity. And it gives you, I'd like to think it gives your kids motivation too to, to strive to chase their dreams mm-hmm. and whatever that is. You know, I, I want my kids, you know, to be able to just enjoy sport. I think that's something, you know, it's, it's, it's overlooked. You know, we, we think about you got to play, you got to do this, you got to win in that. And sometimes you just got to play for the love of it. And like, I just love kicking the ball. Like, uh, it's, what okay. is it, what is it about? And that's, this is my last question. Yeah. You good? Um, what is it about kicking a ball that you find so satisfying that you struggle to describe? I don't know. It's like, it's like an addiction almost. Like you go out and it's like you hit a nice ball and it's like, it's like a rush. You're like, oh, it's awesome. I'm going to do it again. And like, you, you get around. Like, I love kicking with a bunch of kickers. 
So like today I went, I went out to the UCA University of Central High School and went and hunted with their punter and their long snapper and like just going and just kicking and like enjoying it and just having fun. And I don't know, that's, that's probably the most I enjoy. I get, I get more joy out of just kicking with my friends and training than that, than, than the games. It's probably, I enjoy a lot of the, the training aspect and kicking and lifting and having fun with everyone than the actual games. I don't know, but you know, I still love football. I still love to compete and everything, but I don't know. I just, I just love kicking a football. It's pretty simple. Yeah. My, my wife always is like, where are you going? Oh, I'm going out to kick. And she's like, all right, whatever. You know, yeah, that's, like, that's, if, if you have yeah. to ask, you won't understand is, is what yeah. I usually tell her. That's um, my wife's exactly the same. But you just, the other day, I'm like, yeah, so. Yeah. Like, I, I try to tell her, you know, some guys play golf and it's a lot more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a try that. Yeah. You can use that one. Yeah. Um, well. So, so if people are, are listening at home, what, obviously you're quite busy, but um, what might be the best way for them to try to reach out to you? If it's like a young high school kid and they want you to like ask you like some punting advice or something. Yeah. I'm happy. Just like send me a message on social media. Like I'm always happy to sort of help out and, you know, I give my point of view or, or things that help me. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's important, you know, and especially like if they're in the area, I'll go and kick with them and, and have fun with them and, and teach them and things like that. That's something that, you know, I think it's important too. Like Johnny, Johnny, back home smith he's always like give back and that's something that's really important to him that he sort of really in like he sort of ingrains into us and make sure that we do we always give back and if there's kids that want to kick or ask questions we always try and answer those things so he that, that's something that's i guess important to me and don't you know if kids want to ask the questions go ahead I'm, I'm definitely happy to help because i think you know that encourages them to want to to want to play sport and, and have fun and and chase a dream I think most pros, as long as the, the kid is, you know, genuine, respectful and earnest and like sincerely wants yeah. to be better, like most pros will like totally respond to that. They might yeah. not do it that minute, but um, <laughs> then as long as they're not like creepy about it, like yeah. mo- most pros are really friendly. And I like, I think back to if I was in high school and there was like Twitter and Instagram, I would yeah. like DM everybody in the NFL just to see if they would get back to me. But uh, yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. Well, okay, guys. So we're going to wrap up. Uh, we want to be respectful of uh, Jake's time here. But uh, again, this is Australian CFL punter, Jake Ford. He is going to be heading off to Vancouver to play for the BC Lions this upcoming season. Uh, let's see. All right. <laughs>